Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. Good morning, King's House. How are we today? Anybody excited to be in God's house this morning? Wow. No other place I would rather be on this beautiful spring morning. The weather is great. The the green grass is growing. Life is good, isn't it? So good. Hey, before we dive in this morning, I just want, I know we just heard some of these things on the announcements. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I want to invite you here Friday nights. It is going to be such an incredibly special night. And listen, it's always the right time to worship Jesus. I mean, there's never a wrong time to worship Jesus, but on the night that he gave his life on the cross for you and I, if there was ever a time to worship Jesus, it's Good Friday, people. Like, man, it is. So I just want to invite each and every one of you. Uh, um, Pastor Brian Smith from Northside Assembly is going to be joining us, and uh, he's going to lead us in communion. And, man, it's just going to be a whole night about celebrating Jesus and the cross and his blood. And uh, having Pastor Brian here with us is just going to be so beautiful. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the King's House isn't in competition with any other churches in McAllister. Did you know that? The only person I'm in competition with is the enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I got a big competition going on with him, but other churches, man, if you're preaching the word and you're getting people saved, you have my full support. Come on, somebody. So, hey, it is going to be a beautiful night. A beautiful, so Friday, 7 o'clock, come expecting to, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, come expecting to give to Jesus. Don't come expecting to receive from Jesus. Come expecting, I'm going to give you all of my praise, all of my worship, because you deserve all. Now, when you come with that heart, he's going to touch you, I promise. But let's come ready to give that night. And last but not least, guys, this Wednesday we have small groups. Man, we had, we had a small group last Wednesday, and it just, just blessed my heart so much. So if you haven't jumped in a small group, or you went to, like, Blake's small group last Wednesday, and you said, man, that was a bore, well, try, try a different one, you know, uh, but it, it's so important. Uh, so you guys are invited. Hey, pray with me before we dive in this morning. God, I love you so much. God, I just am so thankful to be here this morning. So thankful for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come today and you would have your way. Holy Spirit, if you don't, then I can't this morning. Holy Spirit, fill my mouth with your words and let the truth of the gospel pierce our hearts today in a way like never before. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody sits. Yeah, God is so good. Well, last week we kicked off this series called Real Repentance. And last week we learned that repentance isn't some feeling of remorse. Is it, it, repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is change. Look at your neighbor and say, change. 
Repentance is change, change of mind, change of heart, change of purpose, change of direction, change of life. Repentance is change. We need real repentance. And we ask this question, why does God care so much about sin? I'm doing my best, Lord, just leave me alone. Why, why do you, we learn that God cares so much about sin because he cares so much about you. That's good news, man. God cares so much about you. The wages of sin, according to Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. And God was, he wants good things for you. He has good plans and good purposes. And those sinful decisions are reaping uh, detrimental consequences in our lives. So that's why God cares so much about sin. Not because he's mad at you, he's trying to hurt you. He's actually trying to, he's trying to help you, Right? And this is good news. So uh, this morning, uh, the title of the message is The Responsibility and the Reward of Repentance. The Responsibility and the Reward. We're all familiar with King David, but I really just want to dive into his life because let me tell you, this guy knew how to mess up. In, in catastrophic ways, but he also knew how to repent. So we're going to just dive into his life. But, but first of all, I just want to set the stage like this is King David we're talking about. And, and God says it in, in 1 Samuel, but he also says it in the book of Acts, chapter 13. Look what God himself says about David. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified. I mean, that, that's a big deal when God's testifying on your behalf. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Man, if there was anything that I would want God to say about me today is that Mark is a man after my own heart. Did you know this is the only person in all of Scripture that God said that about? Not Moses, not Abraham. I mean, David had something incredibly special, a man after God's own heart. This is David who killed the lion and the bear. This is David who killed the giants. This is David who became king and united the two kingdoms. This is David who brought back the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, which symbolized the, the presence and the power and the glory of God. And he was so beside himself when the presence of God was coming back to Jerusalem that he ripped off all those kingly garments, got down in his tidy whities and he is dancing and celebrating and praising God through the streets, which is what I'm about to do in just a few minutes. I'm teasing. You probably would let me, you bunch of weirdos. You would be back next Sunday. It's incredible. I just love you people so much. I really do. And when he brought the presence of God back into Jerusalem, he, he erected this tabernacle of David where 24 hours a day, 365, people praised and worshiped and prayed just an incredible man of God. And fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus is walking out of Jericho, and there's this man named Bartimaeus who was blind, and he's shouting at Jesus, Jesus, son of David. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Gabriel appeared to Mary in Luke chapter 1, he says, listen, you're going to have a child He's going to be the Messiah, and he's going to sit on the throne of David. I mean, this is David we're talking about. And the Bible says he has red hair, so obviously he was just too cool for school, you know? Cool cat looking for a kitty out there, rocking the red hair. <laughs> a 
Listen, being this cool is not as fun as it looks, okay? It is a heavy cross to bear some days. It really is. Careful what you ask for. We're going to pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I'm going to tell some of the story, so I don't want to read all of it to you. But here we are in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David's already accomplished all of these great things. And there's unprecedented peace and unprecedented prosperity in the kingdom of Israel. And there, there never was or never has been a king like David. So this is where David finds himself. And in the spring at that time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Well, it just says this is the time of year when kings go out to war. Like this is what you do. And David was the furthest thing from a wuss. I mean, they used to sing songs about him. Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. I mean, his victories on the battlefield were worldwide legendary. So it's not like he was afraid of battle. Quite the opposite. David was one bad dude. But something, somewhere happened in David's life. And here's what I can guarantee you this morning is that it wasn't a big something. Did you hear me today? It it wasn't some big something. I promise you today it was a little something. Nobody wakes up on a Monday morning ah, and stretches and gets out of bed and sips on their coffee. And what am I going to do today? What's on the agenda this week? And they pull out their Google calendar and 9 o'clock I got a meeting. And, oh, yeah, 11 o'clock we got inventory. And, oh, God, 2 o'clock, there it is. Make catastrophic decisions and potentially ruin the rest of your life. That's what I was going to do today at 2. How did I forget? Nobody does that, right? Nobody wakes up one day and says, man, I'm going to ruin my life today. You make little decisions that lead to other little decisions and little decisions. And, and that's what happened in David's life. Somewhere along the way, David got comfortable, And I'm sure he justified it somehow. He'd killed his tens of thousands. And I'm sure the enemy was whispering in his ear, David, just relax. David, take it. Let Joab handle it this time. I'm sure he justified it. The only problem is, King's House, is there's, there's no such thing as standing still in your journey with the Lord. It doesn't exist. That's a lie from the enemy. You're moving forward, following wholeheartedly after Jesus, or you're falling back. And there's no in-between. So somehow David had convinced himself that I'm going to stay home and that's what's best. And he can't sleep one night. And he goes up on the roof. And he's just looking out over his kingdom. And he's looking out over the city of Jerusalem. And probably some of the songs from Lady and the Tramp were playing in the background. And this is the night. It's a beautiful night. And he's just looking out, and they call it. And just like on the cartoon, his eyes go kawunga. And David says, Who is that woman? And she ain't got a stitch of clothes on. And she's in the, who is that woman? And the enemy has never tempted any dude with an ugly woman. Do I have a witness? I promise Bathsheba wasn't ugly. I promise you. And the guy should have been off in battle doing what kings do and doing what leaders do. Leading by example and going out in front of his people. But he got comfortable and he stayed home. And he says, you got to send me that woman. 
And David sleeps with this woman. The only problem was she's married. But it ain't no big deal because her husband's off fighting a battle. No one has to know. It's okay. And I'm sure they click on for four, five, six weeks. And one day Bathsheba shows up at David's house and says, Houston, we have a problem. I am pregnant. And in that moment, I'm sure David said, oh, goodness gracious. And in that moment, it would have been a great time to press pause and say, i got to repent right now. I have sinned against God. I need to repent. But he didn't because there's already this pattern of events of, of compromise and bad decisions, and they just grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll bring Uriah home. Uriah has been away from mama for Lord knows how long. We'll bring him home for a little rest and relaxation, and that situation will take care of itself, if you know what I mean. And no one will ever have to know the difference. That'll be Uriah's child, not mine. So he does. He brings Uriah home from the battlefield, and he invites him over, and he even gives him some wine and gets him a little tipsy and says, surely to goodness, Uriah is going to sleep with his wife, and no one ever has to know. It'll be our little secret from now on. The only problem is, is that Uriah didn't sleep with his wife. Wouldn't even sleep in the same bed with her. Not when my, my friends, not when my family are on the battlefield. I'm not coming home to do this. And if Uriah was here today, I would have him teach a class on self-control here at the king's house. But he's not. So that plan didn't work. So David calls Uriah and he says, hey, buddy, here's this letter. Don't open it. I want you to take this letter to Joab. He takes his own death certificate to Joab. I can't imagine what Joab was thinking when he opened this letter and is reading it with Uriah standing right there like, this is really awkward. The letter said, put Uriah on the front line. And in the heat of battle, when the enemy's closing in, everybody just back away from him. And they did. And Uriah that died that day in battle. And they sent word to David, and I'm sure he just felt this overwhelming sense of, <sighs> did it. Covered it up. Nobody ever has to know. The only problem with that is, is that somebody did know. And it just baffles me how a man after God's own heart, he is lying he is living in adultery. He is a murderer. This man that was so passionate about the presence of God, he danced through the streets and he worshiped. This is the same David we're talking about. But little decisions led to other little decisions led to other little decisions. And this goes on for at least a year. David living in this unconfessed sin without repentance in his life. And one day the prophet, after Samuel, his name was Nathan, Nathan shows up at David's house. And I'm sure David said, oh, Nathan, it's wonderful to see you today. Come in. What's the Lord saying today, Nathan? Nathan begins to tell David this story. He says, well, you see, David, there was this man who was so wealthy. And he had so many riches. And he had so many cattle and goats and just countless sheep. The Lord had blessed him exponentially. And then there was this other little man who was poor, and all he had was one little lamb, just one, one little lamb. And he loved that lamb, and he cared for that lamb. And they were so close that when the lamb got tired, he would let that lamb just rest in his arms. It was his prized possession. Well, the rich man had company coming over, and it was time to, to serve food to all of his guests. But instead of taking one of his thousands of sheep, he goes and steals that one little lamb 
And he kills it, and he serves it to his guest. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, this is David's response to that. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. I mean, he is upset. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then David looked right, Nathan looked right at David and said, David, you are that man. You, you did that. I bless you with the kingdom. I bless you with wives and wives and riches. And Uriah had one little lamb. You took that from David, you're the man. And in that moment, when you're faced with this reality, like I have messed up so huge, and God loves me enough to call me out on it. This, this is not God's anger. This is not God's judgment. This is God's love. If he didn't care about David, he would have just left him in that mess. But he loved him so much that he called him out on it. And we can relate to some of this. We can relate to, I've messed up, and God's putting his finger on that area in my life, and God's asking me to address those situations that are hurting me, those decisions that are dragging me down, those sins that are keeping me from being who God's called me to be and accomplishing what he's called me to accomplish. God's putting his hand on those things in so many of our lives because it's time for some of us to get real and have a real relationship and be a real follower of Jesus. So David, like us, had a choice in that moment. He could have said, Nathan, here's the thing, man. I had a terrible relationship with my dad. And he mistreated me. And I don't know if you've heard, maybe you did, but when Samuel came to my house to anoint the next king, did you know I wasn't even invited? Did you know that, Nathan? Did you have any idea the, the pain and the rejection that that made me feel? He looked at all my other brothers. He even had to ask Samuel, like, you got any other kids? Like, I was never treated the same. I was never valued. And my brothers were terribly mean to me. And I, and I went to the battlefield just to give them some cheese and some bread and check on them, and they mistreated me. And that's kind of been the story of my life, Nathan. So, man, yeah, I got some rejection issues, and I got some hurts, and that's why I'm making some of these decisions and I got to the battlefield, and that just so happened to be the day that I killed the giant. And Saul noticed me that day, and, and Saul asked me to come live at the castle with him. And for the first time in my life, I had a real father figure. And for the first time in my life, I had somebody that really treated me right and believed in me. And his son, Jonathan, was my best friend. And then for some reason, Saul got jealous of me. And he thought I was trying to, to take the kingdom from him. And, and one day we're just sitting around having dinner and he throws a spear at me. Nathan, did you know that he threw a spear at me? And then my best friend who said he was going to be with me through thick and thin, I'm living in caves and Jonathan's just still living in the castle. I mean, did you know that, Nathan? And did you know that... I assembled this, these group of men, these, these nobodies that, that God brought to me, and they, I turned them into these mighty warriors, and I thought they were my boys. Until we get back from battle one day, and somebody's taking all our possessions and our wives and our kids and my best friends. They start picking up rocks, and they're ready to stone me. Did you know that, Nathan? So really, I'm just a product of my environment. 
Really, I've just done the best with the, the hand that I've been dealt in life, so I don't know that I can fully be held responsible for some of those things. If you know what I mean, Nathan, that, that's why I did all that I did. We have that option, each and every one of us, because life is hard. <laughs> yeah. And bad stuff happens to good people every single day. Some of us have been placed in situations and circumstances that we had no, no responsibility in whatsoever. We didn't ask for it. We've been mistreated. We've been abused. We've been used. But David decided not to take that road. He decided to cut up his victim card. And instead, he decided to take responsibility for his actions. Look at your neighbor this morning, if you wouldn't say, responsibility. David wrote two psalms concerning this situation in his life, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. I want you to look at Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4 with me. This is David writing about this particular situation. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's liberating. Wash away all of iniquity, responsibility. Man, he's owning this thing. This is my transgressions. This is my iniquity. And cleanse me from all my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart. The word create means to make something from nothing. It doesn't mean restore, like, hey, I used to have this really good heart. Could you get me back to that? No, create the, like, my heart is deceitfully wicked. And because of that deceitfully wicked heart and bad decisions is how I got to this mess in my life that's my fault because I sinned. God, I don't need you to, to restore. I need you to create. I need something from nothing. God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. King says, I want you to know this morning, it is impossible to have real repentance without accepting full and total responsibility. And I'm not saying that there's not multitudes of contributing factors in your life, because there most certainly is. And I feel that this morning. And I feel your hurt and I sense your frustration. But you made decisions. You did. And you can never be free from those things. You can never walk in the freedom and the true repentance that God has for you until you accept complete and total responsibility for those actions. And all of God's people said, you're so happy you came to church this morning. Yes, yes. I'm going to say just a few more mean things, and then we'll get to the good things, okay? Hold on. We're almost there. And when you accept responsibility for your actions, then you can step over into the reward. Look at your neighbor and say, reward. Now we're preaching. Now we're doing better. Thank you, Pastor Mark. 
Psalms 32 is the other verse that David wrote about the sin in his life and the effects that it had on his life. This is the Passion Translation, beautiful translation. How happy and fulfilled are those whose rebellion has been forgiven. Do I have a witness this morning? Those whose sins are covered by blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God, for he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their heart. Yes, he does. Next verse. Here we go. Before I confessed my sin. Say before. Before I confessed my sin. Here's the effects of sin in our life, King's house. I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my whole life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. Before I confess my sin, the pain never let up. For your hand of conviction, whose hand of conviction? For your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. King's House, I need you to know something this morning. Sin is not supposed to be fun. The Word says that sin is fun for a season. But that season comes to an end quickly. When you are living in sin, listen to me, you are supposed to be miserable. You have been born again. The old has been wiped away. Behold, all things, say all things, become brand new. You are a new creature, a new creation. You have the DNA of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins all of a sudden. You're different. You're changed. You're not a square anymore. You are a circle. And when we try to fit that circle through a square hole, it's miserable. You can't continue to live the life that you used to live and do it comfortably. Sin is supposed to be miserable. And it's not because he's mad at you or he's angry or he hates you or he's trying to get you. He's going to whop you with a big stick. None of those things. He loves you enough to let you be miserable. And I believe in doctors so much. And we have incredible doctors that attend church here, and they're the best. Man, Dr. Bean, Dr. Burgess, the best. And when I'm sick, I go see them. And when my kids are sick, we go see the doctor. So I'm not that guy, okay? And I'm so thankful that like the world is making strides in mental health because there are very real sicknesses and there are very real chemical imbalances that need medical attention. And I believe that. But David had all of these symptoms. He had frustration anguish, misery, pain. His strength was sapped, anxiety, inner life dried up like a drought. These were all of his symptoms. Are you with me, King's House? And David did not need a doctor. David needed a great physician, and he needed to repent. My plea to some of you this morning, and this is going to be the last ugly thing I say, but some of you need to stop medicating your sin. Stop it. 
You're trying to knock the edge off of your depression. You're trying to knock the edge off of your anxiety. Why do I feel like I'm dying on the inside? I need some pills to bring me up. I need pills to bring me down. I need pills for everything. Maybe, just maybe, you don't need pills. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to ask yourself the hard questions. Do I have unconfessed sin in my life? Am I seeking first his kingdom? Do I find myself in the perfect will of God today? Am I walking and living in obedience to the scripture? Because if you are not, you are supposed to be miserable. You are. You're supposed to be miserable. And he loves you enough to let you be miserable. And he loves you enough to let you hit rock bottom. And he loves you enough to let you make a mess of things. Because maybe, just maybe, if you get miserable enough, it'll drive you to your knees. And maybe, just maybe, you'll finally give up trying to do it on your own. And you will lift both hands and say, Jesus, I surrender all. I can't do it without you. Whatever it takes, God, I'm ready to follow after you. God is so good. And here we go with some rewards. <clears throat> Verses 5. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins. Took him over a year. Refusing to hide them any longer, I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. Woo! And you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin was washed away, and all my pain, all those symptoms, whoo, disappeared. Come on, somebody. This is the good news of the gospel, man. You don't have to live in pain and anguish and anxiety. Next verse. This is what I learned through it all. All believers, say all believers. Who is that talking to this morning, just so we're clear? Every person in there, all believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time. God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joy, shouts of rescue, release my breakthrough. Next verse. So my conclusion is this, King's House. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But, I like big butts. But, I even made it big, you see it? But, when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. Oh, baby, I love that wraparound love. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows this kindness to everyone who is his. Go ahead, King's House. Shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please him. This is the reward of repentance. The reward of repentance. He takes that guilt and that shame and that anguish and that pain, and he washes it away. Isn't it beautiful? Don't we have a good God this morning? Real repentance is the most satisfying, the most liberating, the most freedom-filled thing that we can do as believers. We should live a lifestyle 
of real repentance. Believers should confess every time God exposes something in their hearts. What do we need to do this morning, King's House? It's not rocket science. We need to repent. This isn't some big, ugly, spooky, woo. This is the best opportunity in your life. Some of you this morning are full of frustration. Some of you this morning are full of anguish and pain and depression and anxiety. But the word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. The word says that he will give you peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't always come in the form of a pill. Sometimes it comes in the form of his presence. The word says that I didn't give you a spirit of fear. God is not the creator of fear and anxiety. If you're struggling with those things today, you have to realize it's not from Jesus. And if it's not from Jesus, then who is it from, friends? There's only one of two options. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind. So the resolution this morning, my conclusion this morning is, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to let the blood of Jesus wash those things and heal those things and restore those things and set us free from so much of the junk and garbage that we've allowed the enemy to infiltrate our lives with. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, King's House? I love you, Jesus. Oh, if you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, if I was to die right now, I do not know where I would spend my eternity. I do not know that I've ever asked Jesus into my life to be the Lord and Savior of my life. But today, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to make him the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you this morning, right now, with no one looking around, right now, just raise a hand up. Let me see a hand. If you're here this morning, say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Wonderful. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mark, man, I know I got some junk going on in my life. I know it's stealing life from me. I know it's creating pain. I'm tired of living with these secrets. I'm tired of living with this unconfessed sin. Pastor Mark, I just, I want to get my heart right with Jesus. I know I'm born again, but I want to get my heart right with Jesus. If that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. Hands going up all over this room. I need to make my life right with Jesus. Congratulations, friends. You are about to be a candidate of God's healing and God's restoration and his power at work in your lives this morning. Somebody give God a hand this morning. This is beautiful, great news. So we're going to do something just a little differently this morning, and I hope that's okay with you. I don't know why I say it that way, because even if it's not okay with you, we're still going to do it that way. But I, I hope it's okay with you. I'm going to tell you what, we're going, to play a, a, we're going to play a song on the screens. I want you to know these altars are open this morning. And if you want to come to this altar, someone from the prayer team will meet you here in this altar. Maybe you just want to sit there in your seat. That's okay, too. Although I do definitely think there is something special about taking a step out of your comfort zone and meeting God at the altar. But whatever it is in your heart this morning, whatever it is that you need to make right, as this next song plays, I just ask that you would make it right with God. Every believer confessing their sins. If you want to come to the altar, they're open, King's House. If not, just get things right in your heart with God as this song plays.
Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of The King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages, and we look forward to seeing you soon.